Good afternoon to all of us. I just want to correct um, that uh, that wasn't shine on my face that you were seeing there. That was the glory. Uh, that was the glory resting on me. Uh, we, um, I, uh, I, I, watched, I watched President Cyril Ramaphosa start his first or, or, or do his first speech to, to the nation, and he, he quoted a song, and uh, and I thought to myself, hey, that worked well for him. Uh, maybe I should do that. And, uh, and, and, then, and then I saw our finance minister do a speech, and he quoted a song, and, and that didn't work out so well for him. So after, th- after that, I thought, no, it's fine. <laughs> I won't quote a song, I won't sing. Amen, says <laughs> I am tempted to sing Happy Birthday. Uh, it is, it's an it's a awesome, awesome occasion. Um, look how far the Lord has brought us. It's amazing. We give glory to Him. Um, we're always amazed by the work that the Lord is doing, uh, is doing in, in, this, in, this, uh, in this church um, and, uh, and in this service. It's amazing, and we praise God for it. Please uh, turn your Bibles uh, with me to the book of, um, of John chapter 15. And we, we are in the Word series, and we, we started the series last week, and it was amazing. I know we, we, t- we tend to say this, but it's true. If you missed it, get the podcast. Um, we had Pastor Siv ministering to us, uh, and, uh, and it really was a great message that I think is worthwhile for you um, to, to, to listen to, especially as it pertains to how we understand today's message. I think it's always valuable when you can see how these messages uh, work together and flow. So, as, as I was um, preparing uh, for, for, this, for this message, I came across some phenomenal uh, uh, stories, phenomenal resources, uh, about, uh, about, about reading the Word, and we won't get time to go into all of them right now, and I, I, uh, I, I, listened, uh, I was listening to a, a, a podcast by, um, uh, I forgot who the gentleman was, but he is interviewing uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf, and you may have heard of her, and, uh, and she's done some phenomenal work in the, in the space of, of, of uh, brain science um, as, and, and how that affects our bodies, how, how that affects our health, etc., um, and uh, and she, she speaks about a concept uh, called neuroplasticity. And what this is, um, in my limited understanding, uh, is, is that it is possible for, or that our minds are pliable, that we, we tend to think of ourselves as, as being hardwired. And, uh, and, and of course, we, we have the, the, the popular phrases like, um, like uh, old dog can't change its spots, uh, etc., um, but she, she challenges that, and she says, well, actually, regardless of how young or how old you are, um, with the correct tools, it's possible to, uh, to, to change the way that you process so that you start to change some of your behaviors and that it, in fact, starts to influence uh, your, your health also. And, uh, and, and uh, I was listening to this, and, and, uh, and, and I, I thought to myself, Jeez, welcome to the club. You know, you're talking about this new stuff as if it's groundbreaking research. And maybe for you it is groundbreaking research. But for us who read the Bible, we know that the Bible has been telling us all along. 
that the things that we think about, the things that we meditate on, are the things that are going to work themselves out of us, are the things that are going to be embedded in us. So as a man thinks, so he is. Bible has said it all along. Science is catching up. Science is now saying, hey, you can change your neural pathways, those, those things that determine how you naturally react to something so that when you're in autopilot and you react to something and, and that's out of your control and you just think, well, that's how I am, well, that's how I think, well, that's how I behave, and I, can, I can't change that and there's no hope for me. Science is saying now what the Bible has been saying all along. Hang on a moment. We think it's possible to change that with the right inputs. And so... As we're paging through Scripture, we, we come across awesome tools like we find in the book of Philippians. As soon as this catches up with me. There we go. Paging through, through Scripture, I come across this uh, this. this um, section in Philippians. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So what I want to talk to us about today is meditating on these things, how we meditate on the word and the benefits thereof. And for those of you who are note-takers, that's what I'm titling this message today, Meditate on These Things. So this message is saying that if we focus on those things that are true, on those things that are noble, those things that are just and pure and lovely and of good report, if we find virtuous and praiseworthy things to fill our minds, guess what? Those will be the things that filter from our, heart, from our heads into our hearts. Those are the things that will start to form our value system. Those are the things that will become part of us so that what comes out of us is pure and true and noble and just and lovely, and virtuous, and praiseworthy. If we want the right things to come out of us, we have to put the right things in us. Amen. So as we're celebrating a whole year of this 12 o'clock service, I couldn't think of a better way of doing that than by looking ahead and saying, Lord, What are the tools, what are the things that we can put in place now to ensure that this next year will be a success? That we're going to keep going from glory to glory. That this time next year, we'll be looking back in disbelief at how far we've come. If we're going to succeed in life, in our relationship with Jesus, we're going to have to learn the discipline of meditation meditating on the Word of God. See, this, this, was, this was in the New Testament, right, Philippians, but this was not a new concept. It's not a new concept at all because if we go all the way back to the first book of the Bible, if we go back to Genesis, we see that this concept was already in play in the life of Jacob and his uncle Laban. 
And what was happening there was that Jacob, his job was to look after his uncle's sheep. And after some years of looking after his, sheep, after his uncle's sheep, he had a conversation with his uncle. Hey, I've been looking after your sheep for a long time. They've grown, they've multiplied, I've increased your business, I need a share in this business. And so he says, here's what we're going to do. All the sheep that are spotless, all the sheep that are pure, you hang on to those, you keep those, those will be yours. You give me all the spotted ones. Give me the few ones that are spotted uh, that you, you, you wouldn't consider val- valuable anyway. And they strike a deal. So what Jacob does, because he's a sneaky, is he takes, he takes some reeds and some, and, and some, and some branches and he, and he cuts off some of the flesh so that he makes them speckled. And he puts them before the sheep at their watering troughs. So that when the sheep go to the watering place, they're beholding the this, this speckled branch. And he would do this especially when they were in heat, when, when it was mating season. And as they would drink the water, and as they would mate, they would behold the speckled branch. And guess what would happen? The lambs that they gave birth to were spotted and speckled because they birthed that which they focused on. They birthed that which they focused on. So I want to challenge us this afternoon with what we are focusing. What are you intending? What is the decision that you're going to make? And what are you going to focus on? What are you going to infill in you? Because that's going to determine the kind of fruit that you're going to bear. Have you found your way to John chapter 15? You guys need to tell me these things, otherwise I'll just keep talking. So, so in, in, in John chapter 15, we read about a, Jesus talking about himself as the vine, the true vine. And he's talking about, I'm the vine, you're the branches, um, you need to be connected to me. Um, and, uh, and, the, and the reason I want us to look at this portion of Scripture is because Jesus not only describes himself as the true vine, but we know that the Word of God declares that Jesus is the Word. Have you ever come across that portion of Scripture? John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things that were created were created through Him. Without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines into the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. This is John chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. I'm giving you that one for free because it's our birthday. Jesus is the Word. When we meditate on the words of Scripture, we are growing in revelation of Jesus. That has to be the point. That has to be the only point, is growing in revelation of Christ. Now, if you look up meditation, 
If you go and Google meditation, there's a lot of things that are going to come up. There's a lot of things that are going to come up. And so you need to know what is right and what is true. Biblical meditation is about growing in revelation of Christ, about meditating and chewing on the word until we grow in revelation of who he is. It's not emptying ourselves until we attain to nothingness and we become nothing, as some Eastern philosophies would teach you. It's not purely a process of mindfulness. It's not just about, about, about getting a better awareness of my own patterns of thinking or my own emotions. None of these things are bad. They're just not the point. The point of biblical meditation is that we grow closer to Jesus. We grow in relationship with him. In fact, you may remember from last week a powerful illustration that Pastor Siv gave us with the Coke cans. The empty Coke can and the full Coke, and the full Coke can. That the empty Coke can is easily crushed. The full Coke can is not so easily crushed. And the whole idea there being that because the full Coke can is filled, it exerts better pressure than what is coming from the outside. Put in other words, the pressure that is exerted from the inside is greater than the pressure that is exerted from the outside. I don't know if they had Coke cans back in the day, uh, but I know that this principle was in existence because when you look at 1 John 4, 4, it says this, says, you are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The pressure that exists within you, the force that exists within you when you are filled with the presence, with the word of God, is greater than the force that the world can exert on you. And without that, you will crumble because the point is not how we empty ourselves. The point is what we fill ourselves with. So Jesus says this. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Goes on to say, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, Bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and it is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burnt. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Amen. Some amazing truths that are contained in the scripture. And as we meditate on these scriptures, the truths start to rise to the top and become apparent to us. As we think about these scriptures, as we, as we turn these scriptures 
over in our heads as we take these scriptures and we look at them and we bring them close and we hold them far and we turn them over and we take them apart and we put them back together. We walk around them. We understand them. We think deeply on these things. We start to realize that there's some phenomenal truths that are held in these scriptures, truths that are impactful for the way that I live my life. I want to look at some specific verses uh, that, uh, that immediately rise up that we can look at. So, for, so verse 2 says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Do you know that it's possible to have a form of godliness without the power? Do you know that it's possible to call yourself a Christian, call yourself a believer, call yourself a follower, a disciple, whatever you want to call yourself, and have no fruit to back it up? In the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3, this is what it says about such people. You can stay on that previous, thank you. Says, and it's a long section, so I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but go ahead and, 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 and make a note of, of 2 Timothy chapter 3. You can read from verse 1 uh, to 9. But it says this it says, it says, They're traitors, they're headstrong, haughty, they're lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from, from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. It's possible to call yourself a branch and have no fruit. Here's what Jesus says about those who call themselves branches and have no fruit. They will be cut They'll be taken away, they'll be removed, and they'll be burnt. But those who do bear fruit will be pruned. Now I want to talk to you a little bit about, about this pruning or the pruned life. I grew up in an in, in a area that, that, that has lots of, um, lots of peach trees. That, those are kind of the, the, the fruit trees that we have where I come from, and uh, and uh, because we had lots of, of, of peach trees, uh, one of the, 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 the popular customs is, is, that, uh, is canning. Is, so uh, harvesting the fruits and canning them for later use. And so my job uh, would be to go into, into the garden and collect, and collect the peaches uh, for the canning process. And so I would obviously have to pick the best of the best um, for, for this process. And I, and I came to realize that there were different types of trees. Uh, there, there, were, there were small trees, there were, there were big, leafy ones, and I was typically attracted to the big, leafy, overbearing trees, and I would go and I would try and get some of these peaches from these trees, and I, I came to realize something, that the big, leafy trees often had very little fruit, and what fruit they had was unusable. And the smaller trees that had lesser leaves that had been pruned 
had the best fruit, the big, juicy peaches. And I think there's a spiritual principle for us to learn in that. See, sometimes we can be so busy in our comparison and looking at what other people have, we forget the process of God's love is through pruning. I'm looking at this person and I'm going, oh man, look at what this person has. Everything seems to be going well for them. They are the big, leafy tree. They, they have everything. They never face any tests. They, they always get what they want. They, they're always progressing. I'm always getting tested. I'm always facing hardship. It feels like my life is an uphill battle. I'm always facing this battle and that battle. And just as I've conquered this battle, then another one comes along. Guess what? You're being pruned. You're being pruned. And if we would get the concept of how God prunes us and how that is His love for us, we would stop comparing ourselves to those who seem to be in a better situation and start to thank God for the scars that I carry because those are indicative of the fruit that I'm going to bear. And so He prunes those who bear fruit. So are you feeling tested? Guess what? It's because God is pleased over you. It's a weird thing, right? It's, it's because God sees the fruit that you are developing. He sees the fruit that you are bearing, and He wants you to bear more fruit, better fruit, bigger fruit. So He prunes you to do even more excellently. Here's what verse 3 says. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. You are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. The word cleanses us. When we spend time meditating on the word, and remember Jesus is the word. When we spend time meditating on the word, and when we get closer to Jesus, when we are in fellowship with Jesus, it is a cleansing to my soul. It is, a, it is a nourishment to my spirit. My, my mind and the way that I think is cleansed and transformed, the word cleanses us. Is it not silly then that a lot of us tend to run away from the word when we feel dirty? When I feel dirty, grimy, sinful, those are the times that I tend to pull away from God. How silly of me to try and find something else that would cleanse me before I present myself to the word that cleanses me. Saints, the word is what cleanses you. If you're feeling dirty, if you're feeling unworthy, if you're feeling sinful, run to the word. Run to the word. It'll feel difficult. Your body will scream against you. Do it anyway. Because the more you engage with the Word of God, the more cleansing will happen over your soul. The more transformation will happen over your mind. Amen. Amen. The Word cleanses you. Verse 4 says, says this, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Abide in me. That word abide in me, I don't want you to look at that as a passive word. It's not an abide, just stand there. 
It's an active word. It's a, it's a, it's a doing word. It's a actively engage me. Continue to engage me. Drink from me. Take from me. It's a See, saints, our problem is that we've kind of got things messed up a little bit, or the order messed up, because what we're interested in is the next part. Sorry, not that next part. (laughs) The next line. Unless it abides in me, unless you abide in me, uh, bear, bear much fruit. So I can say, bear much fruit. Because what we're interested in is the final product, right? Bear much fruit. Hey, that guy says some powerful things. Bear much fruit. What were we talking about? Bearing fruit. We're going to be successful. We're going to be victorious. We're going we're to live successful lives. We've figured out the key. What's the key? Bear much fruit. No, that's not the key. That's the byproduct. The key is those first three lines. Abide in me. And now we can look at verse 5 because I love how this ties in. See, Jesus is saying, abide in me. And he, and he throws this in. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and, and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Now, if we're reading this section, we could quickly read past this because we're not quite sure how it fits in. But if we change the areas of emphasis, then this scripture starts to mean something slightly different. So I want to read it again with emphasis on those areas that I've underlined. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. That's different. Because what that is, is a delegation of authority and responsibility. That's saying, hey, I'm the vine. I will do the job of the vine. You are the branch. You do the job of the branch. If I do the job of the vine, and you do the job of the, of the branch, there'll be much fruit. Stop trying to do my job. Your job is easy. You get to abide. You get to connect. You get to live in constant fellowship. That's what your job is. Meditate on these things. Bearing fruit is not your job. Abiding is your job. And by abiding, you will bear fruit. See, the branch is connected to the vine. And the vine produces the fruit. And because the branch is connected to the vine, the fruit is transferred through the branch. So that the fruit that is produced and hangs on the branch carries the DNA of the vine. And all the branch had to do was hang in there. Trust. Connect. Meditate, actively engage, and the fruits 
were undeniable. The fruits that we carry, saints, have to be indicative of the vine that we're connected to. If we're going to call ourselves Christians, disciples, followers, believers, whatever we call ourselves, but if we're going to follow Jesus and we're going to profess Him, let our fruits carry His DNA. If I go back to my peach tree example and I pick the fruit, you blindfold me and I pick the fruit and I feel this fruit and I smell this fruit and I taste this fruit, I should be able to tell you what kind of vine that branch belongs to. Saints, when you interact with your families, with your friends, with your colleagues, with your spheres of influence. Let them know by your fruit that you are followers of Christ. Let them delight in your fruit because you are followers of Christ. Don't be those trees that, that I would walk to and pick the fruit and realize this is unusable. This is a small little peach it's shriveled. It's not going to taste good. It's good only to be thrown away. Make sure that the fruit that you produce is rich and beneficial and a blessing to people. How do we do that? Abide. Stay in the Word. When you don't understand or you're confused about where your life is, stay in the Word. When you're reading the Word and it makes no sense to you, stay in the Word. Whether you're reading a verse, or you're reading a chapter, or you're reading an entire book of the Bible, the Word is not a waste of your time. I love what Pastor Siv said last week. If you have five minutes, if you have half an hour, if you have an hour, use it. But don't rush it. Use it well. You have five minutes? Use that five minutes well. Don't rush it. Be present in that moment. You have half an hour? Use that 30 minutes well. You have an hour? Use that hour well. Delve within the word. If we look at the next section, it says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. An illustration that I really love about this whole abiding process is to do with cows. I grew up in, in, uh, in the Eastern Cape, and, uh, and, and uh, I, would, I would observe my grandfather's cows. And, 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 and you, you may know how, how cows chew the cud, right? So they, 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 they eat the grass, chew on it a little bit, and then swallow. And as the grass is swallowed, it interacts with the digestive enzymes in the stomach of the, of, of the cow and stays there. Later on, the cow regurgitates that grass and starts to chew it again. But this time, it's softer. It's been broken down by the enzymes. The nutrients have been released. It's a pleasure to chew on. I like to keep this illustration in mind when I think of meditating on the Word. I take the Word in. I may not understand it fully right at that moment. 
It may not make exact sense to me right at that moment, but I take it in. And I trust God that this is a deposit that I'm making in, in, into my soul, and it is not a waste of time because it never is. It's a deposit that you're making into your soul. I take that, and I digest it, and I go about my day, and I think through what I've read, and, and, I, and, I, and I confess to Jesus, Lord, I don't understand that word, but I'm, I'm thinking through it, and I'm turning it over in my head, and please help me to see what you mean by it, and, 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 and I'm asking him questions, and maybe I'm even writing stuff down, and, 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 and later I'm opening that word up again, and I'm looking at it, and I'm, I'm praying it, I'm, I'm trying to look at it from different angles, I, I may even open up different versions, different translations of the Bible, and I'm seeing, how does this put it, how does this put it, how does this put it, uh, maybe there's some, some good commentaries that I can come across of people who, who are talking about these scriptures and 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 through it I'm, I'm i'm prayerful on it i'm talking about it i'm engaging people on it hey i was reading this scripture have you come across it what do you understand by it is that process of chewing on the word digesting the word bringing it back up and continuing to chew on the goodness and the n- nutrition of the word let us abide abide in the word here's the promise if we abide in the word, the words of Jesus, the words of Scripture are in us. You shall ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Woo! There's the key. I've been waiting for the key to success. What is it? Ask what you will and it will be done for you. Awesome. I've read some Scriptures. I'm ready. Lord Jesus, this is my list. This is what I want. And I know you'll give it to me because I've read the Scriptures. Well, It's okay to start there. But the real success, the real success and the real outworking of this scripture is where we have spent so much time in the scriptures, so much time with Jesus that we've started to take on his DNA, his values, his way of thinking, his outlook. What is important to him has started to become important to us. Here is the real key. Jesus had every single prayer answered by God. Every prayer that Jesus ever prayed was answered by God. Not every prayer I've ever prayed has been answered by God. But that's because half the time I'm praying selfish prayers. I'm praying me prayers. See, the more time I spend with Jesus, the more time I spend in the Word, the more I imbibe His values, His culture, His system, His DNA, His outlook, His worldview, the more I think and live and feel like Jesus, God will respond to me like Jesus. And guess what? The prayers that I start to pray are Jesus' kind of prayers. Jesus didn't pray for miraculously for a six-horse chariot to appear before him so that, that he could travel easier. He was about the nations. He was, about the, he was about the people. He was about the will of God. That's what he did. In fact, Scripture says this, that he would often withdraw. Jesus would often withdraw to go and pray, to go and be with the Father. And in those times of often withdraw to go and be with the Father is where he would receive and get to understand the will of God so that he could pray the will of God. God will answer those prayers. You want every single one of your prayers answered? Understand the will of God and pray according to the will of God. Let's stand together.
So you know that one of, one, one of the uh, tasks that we set before you is that each week as we're working through uh, this uh, word series, we want to give you a memory verse. And that's something that's going to help you to go into Scripture, tackle Scripture, think about Scripture, meditate on Scripture. So here's the verse for this week that I want to put before you to memorize, Jeremiah 15 verse 16. Uh, you can either take a picture of that or you can just note in your Bibles and you can have a, a look at it later. But I encourage you um, to memorize this Scripture. Think about this Scripture. Think about what it means. Picture it as you are thinking about what it means. I encourage you to use your imagination. So color it in. Color these, these words in. What does it mean? Your words were found and I ate them. What does that look like? Let me put color to that. Let me put pictures to that. I ate your words and your words became to me a joy. What, is, what does that speak of that your words became, became to me a joy? And how do I live that out? And is, there, is it manifest in my life? And if not, why not? And who do I know who exhibits this kind of thing where the word of God is a joy and the delight of their heart? For I am called by your name, O Lord Oh, Lord God of hosts, am I called by the name of God? What does that mean? What does it mean to be called by the name of the Lord God of hosts? And how do I live that out? How do I portray that? If I were to explain it to somebody else, how would I go about doing that? And, 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 and how, 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 what is the practical, practical out, outplaying of that? And how do I really color that in in my life? And maybe I can jot down one or two practical examples of how to live that out tomorrow or the day after and the day after, etc. So really engage with this word as you're memorizing it and allow it to be life in you. Amen.